Hello, hello, hello. I'm again. I'm Emily. I'm Molly, and this is Stupid Genius. Genius. It's somebody's birthday today. Who might that be? <laughs> it's not mine. It's Molly's. <gasps> Happy birthday to me. Happy birthday to Molly. <laughs> and it's the big one, guys. The three zero. It's she can now three no zero. longer age herself by <laughs> yeah. saying she's thirty. She is officially. 30. 30, how do you dirty, feel? Dirty 30, I feel great. You feel dirty? Dirty 30, that's what people say. No, do you know what? I'm welcoming my 30s. I really am. Like Some of my friends have been really stressed about it and I just feel so good to be turning 30. Like, I feel like this is my decade. Yeah. I do. Only things get better, surely. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, yeah. I'm happy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm happy. That <laughs> <laughs> sounded so forced. Like, I promise I I'm promise. happy. I but no, it. I am happy because today is an exciting day. We are recording our last episode of season one. <laughs> oh, you made me scared. Yeah, we're um, breaking up, me and Molly. <laughs> <laughs> We've had enough. I reached the grand old age of 30 and I thought, do you know what? I can't be dealing with Emily's shit any longer. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're back. We're, you know what the real reason is, is I'm going on. Hola, Bob. Yes, she's taken a well, I was going to say a well-deserved rest, but it's a, it's a physical holiday. Yeah, it? I've, it's always been on my bucket list uh, to go skiing, and I'm going skiing. So any tips and tricks that would be welcome, anything I should bring, like do I need gloves? I don't know. I would say so, <laughs> would be my guess. I need help, basically. I mean, my only skiing knowledge is like, you know, in Bridget Jones's uh, Diary, The Edge of Reason. Mm, no, but go Oh on. my God. I haven't watched Bridget. You need an education. I was going to say Bridgerton. You haven't watched Bridget Jones? Bridget Jones, no. Oh my gosh. It's bad. I love Bridget, but there's this scene, she goes skiing in the second one and that is how I picture myself skiing. You should watch it yeah. before you go. Okay, I'll give, it a, I'll give it a little watch. You need to. But no, so we will be back. Our next episode after today's episode will be the 29th of March. Yes, yes 29th of yeah. March. Um, it's crazy how we've done a whole series I know already. and you guys have been so amazing like we've loved you know receiving all your comments about the episodes and all those five star reviews oh, I know <laughs> someone out there gave us four stars and we will find whoever <laughs> you are come on guys it's uh, not hard yeah yeah. <laughs> it, I reckon their fingers slipped it must have been that it must have there's been there's no other explanation no we're amazing <laughs> <laughs> and you know what you're definitely going to be giving us five stars for today's episode because oh, we have yeah. got a blinder so, Em, what is your stupid this week? Um, what is my stupid? Okay, so because today we're going to be talking about mental health, um, and especially men's mental health, but I obviously am not a man. I can only give my mental health experience, and I thought it'd be nice for us to reflect back on our stupids and geniuses um, regarding like how we tackle, I guess, tricky situations, or is there any sort of um, that aspect that we want to bring to the table? Uh, so my stupid was, some of you might know the context, some of you won't, I'm not going to go into it, but I did let a uh, comment get to me. I um, I really let it dictate how I speak, how I move, how I feel about myself. And that ultimately is fucking stupid because it was a passing comment. It was meant to be a joke. It really affected me. Um, and I'm not saying I should be more resilient because I know I shouldn't. But um, it was silly to make, you know, one person make me feel so small. Yeah, see, in my view, like, it isn't, your reaction was not stupid. Your reaction was completely justified. But I completely understand how you're saying, you know, it was maybe not the right thing to do to let it affect you because it was their stupid in a way, wasn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess, yeah. And it was a whole, like, unnecessary thing. For and anyone who was listening last week, 
you'll know what we were talking about because Emily... The bonus of, episode on International Women's Day. Exactly. If yeah. you haven't heard and if you don't know what we're talking about, then go back and have a listen after you listen yeah. to this episode. Yeah, definitely. Um, but my genius... Sorry to just jump straight into it, but go it kind of leads into it. My genius was um, accepting those emotions and leaning into those emotions. I really struggle with feeling like I have to be strong all the time, like I have to be resilient all the time. It is exhausting. And you know what? That day I was like, just... There's like power within feeling and crying and feeling your emotions fully. And yeah, I just accepted it. And after I did that, I became so much, I, I like had better terms with it and all this sort of stuff. And, and yeah, and then I just felt lifted, I guess. I had a big cry and that was good. And there's I think so much strength in that. There is. There really is. And I, yeah. And again, I want to say thank you to my whole support network because they honestly made me, I mean, I went, climbing and I was like feeling so sorry for myself but then I had the best time like my friends just made me like laugh like belly belly laugh uh and we were just being silly and then I had a weekend with my mates and we were playing like snowball fights it was like a silly silly kid-like weekend that I needed so yeah very wholesome very wholesome and I guess it just puts things back into perspective of who you are and you know everything that felt really heavy and too hard to face a few days before you suddenly had all this joy and light, didn't you? That yeah. Which balances it out. And I, I just thought, there's so many people in my life that love me for who I am. Mm. I love myself and I wouldn't want to change myself because I do have some real fun. Like, I I have joyous moments in my whole weeks. Why should I let this one person then yeah. completely make me change the way I function in life? Because you can guarantee it's not had that effect on them. <laughs> no, exactly, exactly. And it was a passing comment, but... Sometimes passing comments really linger for some people. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I actually really turned the week around, which I did not think it was going to happen. But I think that's the importance of support networks, isn't it? Yeah. Like you were so supportive. You kind of carried my anger for me when I was feeling a little bit sad, which was really lovely to, to feel that support. And we also always have fun. So that's we do. really nice. And you're a very strong woman, you know. You shouldn't have to always be, but you are. So Well, we have. And that's what was getting me down more so, is how exhausting we have yes. to be so resilient all the time. And I, I can't imagine what it's like for, now putting it back to men's mental health, for a man feeling emotional or exhausted or anything like that. Like Because society does tell you, whether we like it or not, and it's just not the case, and you should be able to express all your emotions, society tells you you can't, or at least that's my perspective on things. Yeah. Um, and we will be getting a guest in to sort of maybe tell us more about it because I'm up for learning. Yeah, but absolutely. I went off on such a tangent, Molly. We love a tangent. What's, you know we do. What's your stupid and geniuses? Well, so I was sort of having a little think um, along the same lines and thinking about things that maybe where I've, you know, had emotional challenges this week. Um, it's been quite a good week for me, actually, and I've been relatively balanced, I would say. <laughs> but there was... It's interesting because, you know, these sorts of things don't happen all the time. And yet me and Emily have both experienced things this same week that have been challenging for similar reasons. So, you know, around gender equality and things like that. And I had a conversation with a close family member at the weekend, actually a close family member of Lloyd, which makes it a bit more awkward because for obviously... For people who don't know, Lloyd is... Um, he's the husband. He's the husband. <laughs> he's a bloody husband. He liked it, so he put a ring on it. <laughs> I put a ring on it. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so it's always tricky when it's, you know, not someone in your family or someone that you're really close to. 
Um, but this person made a comment about all girls being stupid. And from there, it escalated into this quite... I would like to call it a debate, but it felt a bit more like an argument. And there was like, this person was sort of smacking their wrist on the, not their wrist, their fist, <laughs> their fist on the table. And it all got a bit, yeah, a bit like tense, tense and quite hostile, probably hostile quite quickly. Yeah. I felt quite a lot of aggression. And um, I actually feel like I, I was proud of how I handled it. You know, in there's been similar situations like that where I've just shrugged it off and just thought, well, I can't say anything, so I just won't. But this time I just couldn't help myself. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm, I'm proud that I did. But then at the same time, I guess, um, and it's not even really a stupid, but the struggle would be that it, I didn't acknowledge that it had affected me having that conversation. And then for the rest of the night, I felt like shit. And then the next, of the day, the next day, I also felt like shit. And, you know, I didn't, I didn't readdress it with Lloyd and I probably should have done because I was just like, oh, well, it was just a discussion. It's over now. But the stupid thing was, yeah, not acknowledging that, no, that was That's really heavy. exhausting. Yeah. It took a lot out of me. It made me feel uncomfortable. And well, it you were nice. getting shouted at and you had to remain this calm, collective person. Otherwise, you would have... Yeah, hysterical, exactly. Or like, you know, like I was just overreacting or whatever. What others, any other stereotypes that we, yeah, you know, we get as we women. Face. But I suppose my genius would be that rather than allowing it to seep into my life, I, you know, it could have resulted in like an argument between me and Lloyd or it could have resulted in it just continuing on throughout the day. I got it off my chest, nipped it in the bud, Mm. had a good moan to my sister, which is always, (laughs) always helpful. Again, reeling Um, in these support support networks. Support networks. So important. Honestly, if I, I took myself off because we were staying with the, the, the family over the weekend, I took myself off rang my sister, had a real good moan to her about it, and I instantly felt Better. lifted. I felt like it was a problem shared. I know it sounds so, you know, well, cheesy. Well, a problem but shared is a problem halved, isn't it? Exactly. Like you've, you've, you've had some, sometimes we just want to vent. Like, yeah. people just need to vent or talk it through. And Yeah, I needed someone to go, oh, shit, that was shit. You know, yeah. rather than, because I'm thinking... Am I being mental? Like, did I overreact yeah. there? You start to question yourself, yeah, don't you? Yeah, you do. Um, but yeah, so definitely echoing what you say in the sense of networks, uh, support networks is uh, so important. So, so important. And I'm sure our guest might touch on that a little bit as well. Do you want to introduce our guest for them? Yeah, I do. Born in 1993, Lewis Buxton is a writer, a theatre maker. His work has appeared in the Independent Poetry Review ambit and magma amongst others so you know quite um established yeah he's really renowned amazing especially where he's from so he has won the winchester poetry prize receiving the uea literary festival bursary and is a co-director of toast (laughs) i'm sorry my dyslexia is really really flaring up um so the toast is this sort of poetry tour that he does he delivers um these sort of events and discusses all things men's mental health and all the you know various poses of boys i guess all the different things that boys can be um his first collection boys and various poses was published it by nine archers press in 2021 his debut theater show workout will be on tour in 2023 this shit go run whoa yes whoa. we should get tickets for sure i'd yeah. love that and listeners go get tickets and he lives in norfolk love it great part of the world i know lewis's latest collection of poems boys in various poses explores all the different types of boy you can be 
tender, awful, thoughtful, vulnerable. Here, a maelstrom of mental health, male bodies and sexuality is laid bare with wit and curiosity and the complexity and multiplicity of gender itself is revealed. The boy in question is shape-shifting, slippery, unreliable, close yet never quite in focus, moving too fast to pause and take a breath. Yet, books and studies these boys, their bodies and behaviours, with a disarming intimacy and precision. These poems are provocative, nuanced, and often laugh out loud funny, shining with a naked, shameless brilliance. It really is. Bloody hell, what a great blurb. Let's hear from him. Let's hear from him, here he is. So, hello, we have Lewis in the building. Welcome, Lewis, to Stupid Genius. It's so great to have you here. Instantly thought of Elvis in the building. I'm so <laughs> sorry that I linked that. It's, it's almost an anagram of Lewis, so I'll, I'll oh, take that. Isn't it that he left the building, though? Yeah. Please Elvis don't leave. left the building. Yeah, we got yeah. you for another half an hour, which is wonderful. I we wish it was to- longer. I said a total of five words, and now I'm out. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Get out of it. It's our podcast, so yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. we control the rules. Um, I guess I wanted to start with how I got to know who you are without... You know, you know me, I guess. Mm-hmm. A bit of a parasocial uh, relationship, I guess, <laughs> in that sense. Um, so I was at a festival, a very fancy posh festival that's all about, well, for me, it was about well-being and doing yoga and stuff. Other people were partying, but it's a very middle-class festival. And what's it called for the listeners who might want to check it out? Wilderness Festival. And there's like a lake, you can go swimming in it, you know, mass yoga, gong baths and all that sort of stuff. You and sure they- it was a gong bath, not a dong bath? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> No, let's not go there. <laughs> I really mix up the words and a dong bath is something completely different. Something maybe people will be interested in. Who knows? I don't know. It does sound like an amazing Maybe festival, it's though. a business idea. We can talk about it later. Um, and there was this takeaway poetry stand. And is that right? Yeah, and we queued up and I couldn't decide who I wanted to write, like someone to get a poet, po- a poem written for me. I can't write po- poetry, but there's obviously people that could. And I went up and I said, could you write a poem for my mum? And wrote a like literally just asked like five questions if that not even that well so hang on so you went up literally lewis you were there and you just went up to lewis yeah and everyone was just asking like i invited it it wasn't i was paid to be there (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. that's so cool yeah and then wrote a beautiful beautiful poem for my mum. made my mum cry and i was like right if this guy can do this (laughs) with one poem i bet he's got more going on and then i just deep dived into who you were and found so many different elements to what you do within your daily life. Although you've got this book called Boys in Various Poses, you do do other stuff like Toast, which you can explain. Um, and just your Instagram is amazing. I really enjoyed your marketing tactic for Boys in Various Poses, where you did, well, maybe it wasn't a tactic, but you had um, the book in various places and it was like, boys on a mountain, boys. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it was clever. I like the mug thing on Instagram, when yeah. you make the mugs. Of all the uh, artistic endeavors that I've ever, <laughs> sort of like push myself towards of all the work I do in education of all the work that I've done with like production and hopefully the promotion of poetry as like a form of entertainment rather than a sort of boring thing that you are forced to do at school all of that pales in comparison to uh, a series that I have developed on Instagram called Mug Chat that's oh it my Mug, God, Mug Chat, Chat. I, I love it rate mugs out of 10 dependent entirely on how I'm feeling that morning and you get some bad ones yeah oh, oh my god there's some ugly ones out so there so I spend a lot of time in 
primary schools and charity shops for my job. So like charity shops to like source stuff for uh, for stage shows and primary schools because I work with young people, especially young men, uh, developing uh, poetry as a way of like uh, developing their emo- emotional literacy and also just as like a form of fun uh, as a thing to do in their day. And so I spend a lot of time in, in staff rooms and the plethora of mugs that are on offer in in your average English yeah. classroom. And they've probably so been there years as yeah. well. Yeah. Oh like, but you can, yeah. you can absolutely bet on sort of like at least three mugs. So you are going to get the sort of absolutely gigantic sports director. I was going to say the sports director. Look, what? Who this, thought that was a good idea? Oh, because, because it was it was like free in 2001 and now everyone's just kept it. Yeah, and, and it's actually, has like pens in, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah usually like some ink stains. Mike Ashley, the... Uh, the director of sports direct surely has just like this is this is his whole marketing scheme it's just, just mugs. those mugs um and then you'll you'll get one that has sort of like quite florid sometimes even faux gold leaf font that mm. says something like but first coffee oh god oh no one likes me without my coffee uh, <laughs> and, and you're like cringy. sandra no one likes you <laughs> yeah full stop um, poor and, sandra and, oh, yeah. and then every now and again you get like a truly horrific handmade mug by like a, a child has like painted wine gums on smurfs and given it to their mum and their mum has gone mm. i'm gonna give that to your dad and he can yeah. take it into school can he but it's, just it's, get it's, it's, out it's, the kitchen please can i just remind myself of uh i created one of those mugs when i was little and right. i thought i was hilarious and i did a whole like under the water theme and i had an octopus and the octopus was saying I'm drowning in tea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the water is not blue, it's it's tea colour, so it's like a brown, horrible mug. Uh. It is and everyone well, it's just this octopus like with its tentacles like coming down. My mum, I literally use it. Someone's every just time. graffitied an R on the end, <laughs> yeah. I'm drowning in tears. It literally, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm drowning in tea. Um and that you just reminded me of <laughs> the mug. It's, that I'm it, in. It, it's genuinely like it is the thing that I enjoy. I sort of hate social media in, in, in lots of different ways. I think Twitter is just a space where people go to ask questions they don't want answered or answer questions that nobody asked. Yep. Or And, and Instagram, really, we all went to Twitter as a generation. Like Molly, you said you didn't, you weren't on Twitter, and that's yes, fine. Like I but I'm keep just it that way. backwards. Like um, <laughs> no, no, I don't think it's backwards at all. No. I, think, I think it's a... It's I'm a, only on Twitter because of like academ- academically it's and better following to be. me obviously yeah exactly um, <laughs> uh, but but even the sort of lexicon of following and all that stuff is very odd um but yeah so i think we all went to twitter to get away from like our mums and aunts on facebook right yeah and you still and haven't left facebook well lessons. no but now now they're meeting us all again on instagram oh. they really are aren't and you're they? like oh great thanks Joan, you really um... Sandra with like the display picture of like a Westie or something. Yeah. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. That's why everyone's moving to TikTok, and then yeah. and I don't want to do that either. So maybe I just need to back away. Well, no, because what you have to face is that we are now that generation. That we are now the the people who are annoying young people on social media. Do you know yeah. what? I'm okay with that. I'm okay. I'm quite it. happy with that. Yeah. But that is I'm that in between, so I, I'm still trying to cling on to the Gen Z, but I'm definitely no, I'm a just gonna I'm just going to sit, write my mugs, write my poems. Yeah. But I really enjoy that kind of content. I think it's really, really good just that you go into such depth, depth about so many different elements, but then you have this just sort of 
every day. It's just, just like matcha. I just fun, love it. Isn't it? Yeah. Wholesome fun. That's, yeah. that's my brand. Wholesome but that was fun. a lovely like meet that you guys had. I think that's so nice that you know you didn't. Even though it is nice to stumble across people on the internet, the fact that you actually had this like mm. in person connection and engagement is so nice for me i met you on the internet because emily was like this is an amazing guy and you like have to look, look at his name <laughs> yeah. so i, I've been I should you. say i'm really impressed that um I, i'm glad that the poem made an impression on you at that festival i'm surprised that i did because i was very grumpy you must have caught me like early days because Why are you grumpy? oh, oh be- you explain i oh, mean i, I can't i hate festivals <laughs> Right. Um, I, I, so somebody halfway through that festival said, like, oh, are we having a good time? And I said, no, I don't know why someone would pay this amount of money to be inconvenienced for four days. <laughs> and then my producer came up to me and he said, Lewis, maybe we don't talk to the public like that. Oh, um, God. Well, you're, you weren't like that to me. Well, no, I just didn't have a filter. I was hungry. Um, oh, enough said. The first people, first people I met, like, oh, yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't a good time for me. Uh, I'm just not a massive years and years fan. No, no, um, neither. I didn't. I actually walked away. Uh, this sounds awful because people are gonna hate me for it. But I watched a bit of it and I was like, should we go do something else? Because we went for it not for the music, oh, but more come for on. the They've got yoga. that one banger though. Yeah, that but one it wasn't banger. worth waiting. What is it again? Couldn't, couldn't couldn't, tell you. No, I'm sure. I'm sure he's a he's a lovely young man. Yeah, um, and he's an amazing actor actually. Yeah, he's amazing in that, actor. Uh, soon, isn't he? Okay, so we're not going to ask Lewis no, to no, ever no, come no, to a festival with No, no don't. I mean, like, if, you, if there is a festival producer out there who wants to give me a lot of money to come to your festival and will... Actually, do you know what? You don't even need to give me a lot of money. Just feed me. Yeah. Like, it's really what I'm looking for here. Right, Emily, there's some biscuits in that bag. Yeah. yeah. No, 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 no. I, had, I had lunch. I'm all right. <laughs> yeah. I, I, so we got about, what, an hour before we get <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Well, I think I enjoyed the fact that you weren't... Like, you were quite... You were a mixture. You weren't. I wouldn't say you were grumpy, but you weren't like you were like right. Let's do this sort of thing. And you yeah, were like matter of fact. Matter of fact, and you're quite direct. And then yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't care if you don't like festivals. That's your opinion. Like it doesn't then take away my enjoyment. As of long festivals. as she gets a lovely poem out of it, which she exactly. Did. I, that, I sucked you dry, and then the rest of the day yeah. you were. You had nothing you were, left to yeah. give. But okay, let's actually ask you some actual questions, yeah, shall we? I know. I want to dive um, into. So you do so much. What kind of led you into poetry and what did that journey look like for you in terms of, yeah, how did you get onto the poetry bandwagon? I don't know. No, good question. Um, I like to think about poetry as a bandwagon because uh, bandwagons rarely have careful drivers. Um, (laughs) I first got sort of interested in poetry... uh, because I was at a festival. Mm. I shit you not. Uh, yeah, I, I was in a, in a field in Suffolk and I saw a bunch of people getting up on a stage and, and reading poems. At the time, I've, I've always uh, written. I've always been creative in some way or another. Um, I've always liked making stuff, but uh, so my mum's a design and technology teacher. Oh, wow. And so uh, I always sort of aspired to be able to make remember like you made like mechanical toys in DC yes. or like I a made picture a, frame yeah, I picture think we frames. did a picture frame I made a desk tidy um, yep. that was themed uh, as a Red Hot Chili Peppers album by the way I'm seeing oh. the chilies in July just have oh, to tell wow. you that I've seen them still Amazing. funky in their 50s can't wait yeah. um, so your mum I could be... I think I'm sort of <laughs> done with the chilies now oh no still but love the point them. is like <laughs> I, I, I always really like aspired to the sort, the sort of craft work that goes into making that sort of stuff but I was always shit at it um just like real I'm quite clumsy 
not not particularly spatial in my sort of like awareness so like trying to map how big something is going to be it yeah. just never sort of like you know I, I remember i tried to make a cushion with homer simpson's face on it <laughs> which is a bad idea to start with yeah that's um, a very good start but that, that we were we were practicing applique um mm. so i think that i early on recognized the fact that uh, as the writer uh, rebecca solnit points out that uh, poetry the word actually comes from the greek word poesis which means to make and so Solnit says that um, a poem is as much a made thing as a chair and sometimes more useful. Uh, so perhaps at 13, when I was like, ah, oh, mum, I'm not really sure that hammers and nails are my thing. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe that, maybe I was aware of the, the etymology of poetry. And so I started like writing songs and stuff the way like, and writing poems the way kids, kids do. Um, and then I've basically been sort of like performing in one one way or another ever since. I did uh, my first gig when I was fourteen. Wow! Um, my uh, mum took me and a guitar down to a bar in Soho. Oh wow! Yeah, baptism like, of fire, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, probably. Oh, and um, and and um, I did some songs and read some poems. And um, and then yeah, when I was about seventeen or eighteen, I um, I saw a bunch of poets performing on stage. Poets like. Uh, Ross Sutherland and Tim Clare and Hannah Jane Walker and uh, mm. like a, bu- a bunch of uh, Mark Grist um, and I was I was sort of like oh right this sort of like performative element of, of writing can be a big thing um, and then it's just sort of grown over the last sort of 12 13 years I think poetry in particular has always uh, attracted me because I've always loved reading but I'm quite a slow reader mm-hmm. um, and Poetry is written to be read slowly, mostly, like, or it's really short. So mm. uh, you can read an entire poetry book in sort of 45 minutes if you want to. Um, and it's, uh, I used to read poetry on the tube when I lived in London. And so it's sort of, you know, you can read it between stops. Yeah. And it's sort of quick and it's sort of dopamine hit. And also if you don't like a poem, you can just move on to the next one quite quickly. It's mm. not the same as like sort of staying with one voice or one author or one main character throughout um and i just found like a variety in in poetry and, and reading poetry and watching poetry live that I'd, I'd never found anywhere else it was it was sort of like the equivalent for me of you know what similarly when people when they're like 14 or 15 suddenly are like here are all of my musical opinions <laughs> here's like here's why that you know here's 13th why. bowie album is the really good one so I think that um, poetry for me became that thing that you're sort of obsessed with as a teenager or um, as a young adult. You, you you get sort of like locked into something and you sort of consume all of it. And yeah, so that, that's that's where that's where poems started. And what like a lovely outlet to have because I think, I know Emily, we've talked quite a bit on the podcast about Emily's an athlete and she always had sport to turn to mm. and it's great if you can find that thing to channel things into, mm. isn't it, I think. And like what you said a moment ago about how sticking with you know maybe reading a book is one voice and it's one feeling isn't it whereas with a collection of poems each poem might work for a different moment and a different feeling Mm. and you know that's what I love about poetry as well is that it's so fluid it depends on the day it depends on the moment it depends how you woke up that day like how you receive it which is different to a novel I think yeah um well I think I I think like all of those things sort of are all works in that same way but um Don Patterson says that a a poem is a small 
uh, machine for making its own meaning. And so that thing that like you come to a poem and because it's so small, because it's so consumable, which is what I find so interesting when, when mm. people say like, oh, poetry's boring or it's difficult or, or whatever. And I'm not, I'm not denying that for people like that, if that is the way that you um, uh, view it, view it or, or the way that it's, it's, it's arrived in your life, that's totally fine. Like I have that with loads of other things that I don't get or I don't enjoy and that's, that's fine. I'm not here to believe the phrase is yuck anybody's yum. I think it might exist within uh, particular sort of like uh, queer and BDSM uh, circles, not to yuck somebody's yum. Is it a bit like don't piss on the chips sort of situation? No, I think, I think it's, it's um, <laughs> if, somebody, if somebody has a, a particular sexual preference or oh. um, then, then don't. Don't judge it, right? Oh, I love that. Don't, don't yuck right. somebody's yum. I'm using it. I'm um, I, I, but it. I, li- I like it as a, as, a, as, a, as a way of thinking about it because people yeah. do sort of like, when you when you say you're a poet, it's a bit like when you're sort of like 16 at college and you have to tell somebody that you're a virgin and you're like, <laughs> you just sort of like put your eyes down and just like, back yeah. away slowly <laughs> hope, that, hope that there are no follow-up questions. Um, yeah. But but yeah, it's that's that it is, it is a lovely way into it i want to know about uh sport now your athletics like what what did you do i did gymnastics um literally from two till like 15 Mm. and i competed um internationally and i did 27 hours a week so it was quite intense but for me it was a definite outlook of um an outlet of like i don't know i would have a very stressful day and then i'd go and i'd literally just focus on one thing um Mm. now it's for me it's climbing so oh, yeah. I'd go and climb and all I am focusing on is getting up and getting down. And it, it's the only moment where my mind is truly silent and I'm just thinking of that one task and it just makes me feel like that's what makes me fall in love with exercise. Same with hiking. I just feel so small and insignificant in the best way possible. You just see this massive mountain and you just think, wow, like I don't have to be anything nothing really matters that sounds awful but no it doesn't and then but then you're like such a center of your own universe and i have such power in making you feel good today or making you feel shitty like you know you have that choice and you can make people you can like affect people Mm. so around you that's fascinating because i i don't have that at all (laughs) like i love sport and exercising is a huge part of my life yeah but um you know when people always say like oh, I, I run to clear my head. Mm. And I'm always like, it's you know thoughts me. run too, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, they come with you. Yes. Um, running is not for me. I can't, when people say that, fine. running is not for um, me. Do you know what? The only thing I've ever found which silenced my mind ever is um, hot yoga because it's like... <laughs> it's real sexy. <laughs> it sounds ridiculous, but it is so hot in there. It's like 38 mm. degrees Celsius and the yoga is quite intense that my brain physically cannot think about anything else. It is just thinking about the breath, the getting through this next posture, you know. And at the end of the practice, it's like my thoughts just go, like, Mm. flood back into my mind. So if you have trouble silencing your thoughts, give it a try, honestly, because nothing else works for me. I've tried tried everything. Even hot yoga? Not hot yoga. Well, there you go. Oh, no, it has to be hot. I think that one of not to to, uh, yuck your yum in any way, shape, or form. I feel like you're about to, Louis. No, but just sort of like... The, the conversations around mental health and mental illness in particular, uh, and when exercise is sometimes used as a catch-all uh, solution to those things, right? Mm. People say, oh, you're depressed, go for a run. Mm. You're anxious, have you tried swimming? Oh my You've God. got insomnia, lavender oil, go for a run, babe. <laughs> yeah. And it's, um, you do a great and, Essex accent. And it, it, yeah. It's sort of like, 
that always to me seems uh, too simple and 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 one dimensional a, a, a solution to it, and it is it, it has always sort of wound me up as somebody who loves exercise and for whom like exercise is a really real part of my mental well being. It is not the solution. Right? It is not the the catch all yeah. sort of like. Oh, I got because, like you say, the thoughts come back, man. Yeah, like, yeah. It might give you a break. That, it gives that's me cool. a break, but it doesn't. Yeah. It's not sustainable no. necessarily. Yeah. I think it needs to be multifaceted, doesn't it? And yeah. we all have. I guess it's that whole idea of the toolkit and what is in your toolkit. And yeah. for me, hot yoga is just one of the standards exactly. <laughs> that's yeah. in there. Literally yeah, yeah, one yeah. of the little screws. Because realistically, you know, I don't know when you are in that m- motion of you're really feeling shit. You're really your mental health is really got to you maybe it's a week maybe it's a month maybe it is a year like there's no time limit to how mm. shitty you can feel sometimes i've said this before sometimes even just getting out of bed is like a such an achievement for some people and for me so you know the bed sometimes i just have to break it down to the bare necessities of i'm gonna go brush my teeth and mm. i'm gonna go feed myself and then i'm gonna crawl back into bed and i'm gonna yeah. congratulate myself for that um but yeah you need to have so many different tools mm. with you know, support networks, things that make you clear your mind for a little bit, things that actually help you progress and that might be digging into your childhood trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know what? That actually ties in really well to the next question we want to chat to you about Mm. because, um, you know, obviously you are a huge advocate of mental health um, and obviously you promote a lot of discussions around men's mental health. And we were wondering what role does your poetry, whether that's the process of writing the poetry or the poetry itself, you know, what you produce, what role does that play, I guess, either in your own mental health, but also just how you approach mental health as something that we all need to talk more about? That's a, that's a good question. I think the answer to it is twofold. Um, in the first instance, I think it's really important to acknowledge that um, I do not write good or particularly meaningful or particularly helpful poetry when I am ill. Like, it just doesn't. Like, writing from a place of sadness or writing from a place of, like, particularly deep anxiety um, and the particular way in which my brain works uh, when it's when it's not well, when it's unbalanced or whatever it is, um, is not conducive to uh, good art, conversation, relationships, uh, sport, anything, right? Mm. I think I am worse at all of those things when I am unwell. Um, well, that's because your mind is not working yeah, fully. Like, I, you're, so, it's it's like, occupied. Which yeah. sort of like leads to the second thing, which is if there is a role that, that poetry plays in uh, my mental well-being, um, it's one that's based in language. So, for example, I think that I believe really deeply in the specificity of language. Like, I think the more specific you are with something oftentimes the more universal the truth is that can can come out of it. Um, So a good example might be we've used sort of three terms quite interchangeably already in this conversation, which are uh, mental health, mental well-being, and mental illness. Mm. I think those are all three different things. Mm -hmm. I can't currently give give you a solidly functioning definition of them, uh, but I'm sure that you can find that in the world. Um, So like poetry for me is about about specificity it's about finding 
um, the right word for the right thing at the right time. And as you said earlier, like those those things might be right sometimes and might be wrong other times. There are poems that I've read, as in like other people's poems that I've read when I've been really ill and been like, why would anyone ever write this? This is horrible. I hate this. Like, how is this? Yeah. Mm. Um, Does it feel like it's reflecting a mirror up? Is that why you hate it or...? No, it feels like it's uh, it's it's a horror film showing me all the worst things I could possibly imagine. Yeah, like um, that that's what that's what it feels okay. like. Um, and I think that uh, if you if you look to poems, also in in the reading of them, have never necessarily given me sucker in the way that people sometimes frame them as. And people say like poems saved their life, and I I I believe in that for them uh for me norfolk saved my life Aww. like it's a, it's a it's a totally different thing and therapy and medication yeah. and stuff and a lot of hard work <laughs> i did wonder because in your bio um i love it the bio like um for I listeners it, that yeah. haven't read it going well actually you've we, heard it we yeah. just read it out so there you go um the end of the bio is auntie lives in norfolk mm. and that's a very it feels like a very purposeful you know way to finish that yeah. and so you know we actually had a chat about this and we were like Norfolk is obviously significant to mm, me. So hugely. Right, okay. Just it was a bit of a refuge? Or? I think that uh, I lived in London for a long time and um, London just felt like... Um, felt like that friend who you you love but you only really want to see sort of once a year. Because you, you know they're going to get drunk and call you a dickhead all <laughs> yeah, night. Bit of an energy vampire. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, a massive. Um, Colin Robinson. And if you're sort of sat there being like, we don't have that friend, it's you. <laughs> um, you are the problem. Oh you're, you're, shit. You're, 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 the, you're the Colin Robinson <laughs> in, in the house of vampires. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, th- I think um, Norfolk in some way or another... In, in lots of ways, like growing up, if I think about it, my grandma uh, lived in Norfolk and it was always a place that we went away to as like, you know, it was where we went on holiday to see my grandparents and uh, it was always sort of been... Respite. Associ- yeah, associated for me with, with, with respite, with rest. It's also, in, in a world where we're told, um, oh, we have to have to move to London, you've got to get a job, you've got to work really hard, you've Hustler got to... Mentality. Hustle hustle, hustle. Um, London is chaotic. I, Norfolk yeah. just isn't really like that. Norwich isn't that. really like that. And um, I take great joy and great pride in in living there, even if I am not from there. I I, I love it. Um, You're a token Norfolker. <laughs> what do they call themselves? A Norwegian? Well, Norfolk means North folk, and oh. Suffolk is South folk. But you're so West Anglia. Anglia. East Anglia. East Anglia. Mate, oh. we're on the west. Other yeah, but hang on, we're would on you the be west. Norfolkian? Because then you are north of East Anglia. You've got to remember that, like, um, uh, England, as we imagine it, is was, was always several kingdoms. Yeah, East you Anglia. were Mercia, right? Or was it East Anglia? No, East Anglia was its own Oh, um, of course, kingdom. sorry, I've watched The Last Kingdom. I know this. We Come have, on, yeah. My mate's in that. Oh my gosh. Stop it. No, yeah. let's, let's, right, we'll discuss we'll, this we'll, after. We'll get onto it. We'll get onto I'm it obsessed, so we need to talk about yeah, this off the podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Molly is like jumping her. You, you, you got the film penciled in. I actually yeah, met yeah, Ethel Stan on an aeroplane last year. Oh, right. And he's in it. Okay, we're going to have talked about it on the podcast if people want to. Yeah. Anyway, anyway. We can so, do a bonus episode. Um, yeah. Oh, oh there, there, was a, there was a sort of like route to that. I, I mean, I'm sort of going back to, to poetry and language. That's what we want to hear about. We want to hear about it. 
that for for me the specificity of poetry, um, how small, how that it both can provide you with definitions of things, but it can also provide you with with questions. It can provide you with answers, but it also provides you with with questions. What I was saying was that a lot of people I've seen uh, use use poetry as a kind of refuge, and that that's amazing. It's not it's not how I've experienced poetry, um, especially not when I've not been very well. Um, so, but at its best, when I am well, poetry is this delightful space of fun. It's a it's a place to play. It is a place to, um, uh, you know, follow that silly idea that you have in your head, like, oh, what if a lion could talk, or um, what if you had? And it's the, way, it's the reason kids love it, right? Kids love the idea, like, what if each line of each, the the first letter of each line of the poem spells a word as an acrostic, or like, yeah. what what if you have to write this poem and you can only have five syllables in the first line, seven in the second, and five in the final line, right? People love that. that oh my stuff. god, you've just made me want to try all those things. Yeah, right. <laughs> I haven't yeah. actually joyful, played around with this stuff for well, so they're, long. They're joyful and and silly, and it's not dissimilar to sport. Well, right? I was about to say, I I talk about it so importantly of like your inner kid and I feel like as adults mm. you rarely tap into that inner kid and for me it was I talked about it earlier it was um you know I went to my friend's house we had a snowball fight then we played sardines if people don't know what the game is it's basically like hide and seek but you'll cram into one yeah. you turn off all the lights it's weird <laughs> oh that's what that and, picture was yeah that's what that picture was and um I think it's so important as adults to however you can do it for some people it's playtime, like as mm. in sport for some people it's poetry for other people it's just spending time with friends being silly you really need to access that inner child because we rarely get to do it in everyday life we rarely get to go to the playground and do stuff we don't really play around with words like the way you do in your in my job in your job but you've managed to do it as a job that's what's that's what's really interesting is that perhaps that is one of the reasons that people don't take poetry or artistic careers or in your cases uh, academic careers uh, seriously because they sort of go along the they they sort of take that phrase you know if you love what you do you never work a day in your life as a pejorative they think that it's you're not really trying and again that's all tied up in capitalism it's all tied up in like the profitability of your interest and like you should really hate your job or at least hate a solid 75 percent of it (laughs) um and if you're lucky enough to love what you do fucking earn some money doing it man yeah because why um, are you doing it then why would you do it otherwise yeah um and because i like it <laughs> yeah because i like it because it's a vocational or, or whatever um and yeah it, it sort of pushes you to, to think about like what is the definition of a job like why would you do that which again mm. brings all the way back to language and why it being specific is is important and um i a toy with often with like getting uh poems tattooed on me and, and stuff like that um, and there is something about the impermanence of a poem, actually. There's something about how ever-changing it is. But if there's, if there's one bit of a poem that always uh, sort of stays with me, I always think about... Um, there's a, a Welsh poet called R.S. Thomas, and uh, he had a poem called Law. There's a bit in that that goes, uh, What is living but courage? Paunch full of hot porridge, Nerves strengthened by tea, Peat black, dawn found me. And I just always I think about that when I feel sad. And it's not that it gives me an answer. It doesn't kind of go, everything's going to be all right. 
it asks the question, what is living but courage? Like, mm. and and when I am, I think so much of mental illness for me comes down to fear. Like yeah. Deep, yeah. deep fear. Um, to be able to counter that, at least on some level, with a question, well, what's living but courage? What has living ever been but courage? You know, mm. Thomas was writing in the 20th century. This isn't a sort oh, of wow. new thing he's, he, he's popping up to deal with. Uh, m- like the horrific immigration bill or climate mm. crisis or austerity this is something that has yeah, been uh, 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 a sort of quite grumpy welsh priest is is thinking about in a field uh, and so yeah that that that's why poetry yeah that's, that's such l- yeah that's so lovely those words i mean i feel like i'm having an existential crisis now i'm thinking what is my job and is it a job and do I want to do it? Hold that thought. We'll keep that for another day, we'll I think. We'll keep it for another day. Yeah. Um, I really liked your way that you said, you know, poems are forever changing and not even to you, but also to someone else. So I could read a poem, it could mean something to differ- different to me than to you from, than to you. And by no means am I a poet or know anything about poetry, but we've, We've had a little look at your book, mm. and uh, let's explore some of the poems that are in there. But just before, like, why do people think that they need to yeah, be a poet? Or, firstly, be a poet to understand poetry. No art form. Again, going back to like the sort of like capitalist structure within, within which this has to exist, no art form would work if it didn't have an audience, right? Literally. Ridiculous. If you hadn't bought this book, like, where, where, do, I, where do I end up? Um, and and then the sort of extension of that about being like or oh, know anything about poetry as if you two Can't both of whom <laughs> are PhD candidates are are if if you feel sort of like academically in some way intimidated by a poem then there is something really fundamentally going wrong and it's not it's not mine to fix it's not poet's fault I don't think it needs to change anything about how poems are written. But um, it's it's absolutely fascinating. Yeah. I think we, we, we don't we don't deserve to have an opinion on poetry. Yeah, it's yeah, funny. So There's true. almost like an exclusivity me. around poetry. Yeah. I don't know what that is. I don't know if it's because the way it's taught in schools, you hear about all the greats, don't you? You know, like mm. Shakespeare, and it all seems so. I don't know beyond what maybe you're capable of, yeah. but then mm. there isn't that doesn't apply to the way I think of all things. You know, no, it doesn't. Just it is really quite poetry based because. Yeah. Well, mainly for me, because I'm dyslexic and I grew up not being good at English, but loving poetry and always feeling like I could express myself or mm. could relate to poetry and not never really exploring it because people told me, you're not good at English, don't bother, which is obviously infuriating, but it's still clearly having a hold it's on me today. You, yeah. And I do, for people's birthdays and stuff, I like used to always write them a poem in oh, the birthday cards that's so and nice. I still and, and I lost that and I forgot to do that and then after you wrote the poem for my mum I did it for uh, my partner Vincent mm-hmm. uh, I wrote him a poem and then I also wrote like I started writing again and I was like in just in birthday cards because it feels very like you know so will I get safe mine, for me uh, later today then Emily um Look, I wrote that in the car, if I'm honest. <laughs> you know what? Know. You've made my day wonderful yeah. already. So um, let's talk about the first poem in the book, which is Seven Ling. Um, Do you m- want to hear it? Because it's really short, right? Yeah, go on, go on. So, Seven Ling. I dress like my idea of a boy. In pea coats and creased trousers and good shoes. Things the world expects of me. I wish I could paint my eyes and nails and skin colour of dusk and blood and sky be beautiful for a moment dropping expectations like a coat on a dance floor 
Thank you Thank so you much. Thank you so much. So for me, I think that's quite um, personal and it's definitely a look into gender stereotypes um, and I'm willing to share, like my dad suffered with a mental illness, he had addiction problems and that's what led to um, him dying and it's also got a grip of my brother. He also is an alcoholic. So for someone like them too, they really felt like they had to stick into these gender roles, mm. not talk, suppress the emotions. My brother, when my dad died, became like, I have to become this m- the man of the house. Um, and, it, and it did have this weight on him. Um, and I just wanted to sort of ask you how maybe the stereotypes or these gender roles have had an effect on you. I think that they have minimised my successes. Okay. I think that the things that I'm really good at, um, really good at like being kind to people, I think. I think I'm genuinely like, you know. Can confirm. Yeah, it's lovely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, A pleasure to be here. I think <laughs> Looking at blank faces <laughs> like, no. Um, <laughs> uh, like, I'm, I'm really organised. I'm really creative. I uh, care really deeply. And I am very very sensitive to the world mm-hmm. uh, like I feel it sort of keenly as a sort of you know newly sharpened carving knife and um, all of those things are things that um, our current ideas of like patriarchal gender roles uh, don't allow to be celebrated in men they don't sort of allow them to be celebrated in anyone of any gender but um, in in particular, mm, um, I I've always felt like they they haven't been successful things for me to do, um, and the things that are deemed to be successful, i.e., earning money, uh, hmm. sport, uh, having a six pack, um, yeah. uh, genuinely one of the things that I'm mo- like, and this this is where I am like sort of painfully honest about the ways in which. Uh, uh, gender norms affect me is that like one of the things I'm most proud of like in this room in this minute right now it's not the book it's the beard like genuinely there's a bit of me it's which a nice is beard. like it thanks is a good beard. right but like I'm genuinely sort of like oh it's a bit of a shame that the, this is a podcast right no one's gonna see this no one's amazing gonna see, beard. see my beard and it's not even like a huge beard it's just like a fairly regular beard but I'm also really insecure about it like I'm really sort of like I, I haven't sort of like wet shaved in maybe like uh, eight, nine years, something like that. Because mm. um, I've no idea. I'm like, oh, I don't want people to think I look too young or too effeminate or, or whatever, yeah. right? Even though I'm 30, right? I'm about to get married. Like, there is no, like... You are, yeah. I just, I yeah, just yeah, look yeah, the yeah. way I look, man. Um, but, but yeah, so I think that that's the way that gender roles um, have really impacted me. And particularly things about sensitivity, what that means is... Um, I haven't been able to, the particular difficulties that I have with uh, with my mental health uh, haven't been, I, I've never felt they've been sort of acknowledged mm. um, by, by those around me and, and, and to, until quite recently. And again, it comes back to specificity. It comes back to, um, I don't want, I, I, I have always been sort of told like well everyone every every man sort of deals with this every man gets 
so what? Yeah, yeah. like they, they, they deal with it. They get yeah. on, they go for a run, they... Um, Stuff it whatever. down with yeah. brown. <laughs> um, and, as, and, and, and also as somebody, like one of the things that I think I'm really good at is I'm really good at talking. Like I, I can talk and talk and talk and talk. And I actually don't think I'd... I often worry that I talk too much and I'm sure sometimes I do. Um, but if I do talk too much, I think it often comes out of anxiety or, or nerves. Um, but in that way, I've always sort of flown in the face of men don't talk enough. I'm like, I talk oh, a lot. Let me tell you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, like, but, but what it means is that, and, like, the particular sort of, like, uh, issues that I have psychologically, uh, the, the way I, I talk so much actually doesn't always help with that. And it doesn't help for me to to know like oh everyone has those sort of problems. I need I needed someone to say quite specifically no, not everyone thinks like that. Not everyone wakes up every morning being like I'm gonna die. Yeah. Like that's not that's not a thing. Um, not everybody feels the compulsion to talk quite as much as you do. Mm. And so um, that was that was really useful for me to to have the specificity of of that and uh finding language in um uh you know in diagnoses in mental health professionals in uh nhs help pages um was really useful for me because it meant okay cool this isn't this isn't what everybody and it has. doesn't have to stay like that i no. think that's i can re- really relate to you in the sense of my anxiety will spiral off um and then my amazing partner he always goes you yeah in the nice way you think too much stop like stop overthinking it stop thinking too much. and it was does nice, that not drive you nuts well that he says stop yeah. thinking too much i mean he says it doesn't say it all the time but it's only occasionally when i'm obviously just like mm. hammering into this like i don't know i'm clearly spiraling and it was really yeah. nice for him to go it was just that realization of like oh not everyone is thinking yeah about that one time that you said hello and did you say hello the right way and yeah, did you yeah, say yeah. hello too much and was it too like energetic did you do jazz hands too much um and he was like emily whoa whoa, whoa. you're, you're yeah. thinking too much no one cares in that way and that was really nice for me to go in do that you ever, um so like i work a lot with uh, i work a lot with young men with uh, behavioral issues and mental health issues in schools uh, in particular i also work with uh there's a huge demographic crossover between um, uh, young people with mental health, health issues and those with special educational needs mm. and autism. So I work a lot, I work in a school specifically for children with autism. And um, one of the things I found most useful there is that when a child is having uh, what is termed as a melt, meltdown or, um, or is struggling to, to cope with something in, in the environment, uh, the teachers ask them, do you need comfort or do you need solutions? Uh, which I find a really really useful uh, question to be asked. It it can be infuriating, but it is marginally less infuriating than just don't worry about it. I've actually asked this of Lloyd now because Lloyd, um, he is a wonderful person, but he just doesn't seem to face the same struggles that I face. He faces other struggles, I'm sure he does, but um, his response would always be to me, don't worry about it, and I used to t- not <laughs> I never used to take that well because I used to find it unbelievably unhelpful you mm. know because to me it's like 
Well, of course I fucking won't worry about it if I don't... If I, if I could turn it off. If I could turn it off, I would. Of course I would. Like, and I found that so unhelpful. But to mm. him, he loves me. He just wanted to help. But then I have communicated that to him now. That, look, sometimes I just want a big hug and you to say, do you know what? That's that shit. Mm. That is shit, you know? Do you it's want me to help? Do you want me to give you some advice? Or do you want me to just give you a hug? And it's such a game changer. Do you think that's a gender thing? That both yeah. of you have male boyfriends oh he has learnt that from the males in his yeah. life I don't yeah it's they're all about and I notice this across all my like male friends and partner uh, the fact that they want solutions and they actively give solutions rather than just sitting within that emotion mm-hmm. which is what we want I think it's really interesting that you said that you're very sensitive I, I see it I see all my male friends they're so sensitive and that doesn't necessarily mean negative and I feel like maybe some some of them will be like what I'm not sensitive but you are and that's okay mm. but that's even that they bulk at the question right? yeah like the the irony is completely lost I not on them as individuals no, but as a, on us as, as a society. society what I notice with like and I'm sure Lori won't mind me saying this um you know you talk about how you sometimes feel like you have too many words like mm. you speak I think Lloyd, the way that gender roles have impacted Lloyd is that he doesn't have enough to articulate mm. how he's feeling and things like that. And um, it's really interesting, you know, to chat to you, who's actually experienced things the opposite way and how mm. that's also... Yeah, it's well, just... Well, that, that's, again, a sort of a, a, a defiance of gender roles, I think. Um, that I think that we oftentimes, uh, men, like cis dudes, are given... Uh, very few uh, like emotional options right you're allowed to be angry you're allowed yep. to be happy if like your football team's won but you've got to do it in a particular in a, way you know um, yeah this is talking in like very strict uh, both gender roles well yeah and 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 then uh, for women uh, I I don't know correct me but like it's you've got to do all these different things right you've got to be sensitive you've got to be girl boss you've got to be um caring you've got to be all of all of those things all mm-hmm. at once mm-hmm. you find the intersections with all the other things you know like the angry black woman stereotype the um all, all, all those ideas that you are uh, if you are one thing but then you, you like for women you have to be billions of other things you've got to be um a virgin a whore a mother a daughter a yeah. wife um, it's that, whereas um, men only are, you're like right now I'm being a husband right yeah. now. I'm being a father. It's very one-pointed, isn't it? Yeah, mm. it's even when when men say going back to exercise. When men say like they need the gym because it's 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 their time, and I'm always like, what's what, what's the rest of the time? <laughs> like, wh- and when do you think your partner gets this time? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, so yeah, it, it's 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 super interesting, and like that again. That's why this book is called Boy in Various Poses because it's about like presenting all the different kinds of boy that you can be. Mm. It's about like expanding that category of identity beyond the parameters of anger or mm. lust or sex yeah. or, or whatever the, these ideas that again like straight men are supposed to be sexual in a very specific way. Very specific way, um, and God forbid you venture out of that. I know mm. for Vin. And he's going to be like, what? Did people think that? <laughs> but in college, because um, we go we go way back, we've known each other for like 10 years, people constantly would ask me, is Vin gay? Is he, is he queer? Just because he was 
I guess, in touch with his emotions and he mm. wasn't a bellend, maybe. <laughs> and he just would, you know, he, he wasn't this macho, macho man and wouldn't be like... Ooh. And which he's no he's straight he's a cis um gender male and it just it it blows my mind that people instantly go okay well if you're not this manly man then you must be gay or and i think that is obviously changing and i i mean i hope it is but i know people still have those views i think it's that we're we're told that we can only be one thing at a time um well and we're also told that um we as individuals uh aren't clever enough to hold more than one thing in our head at once like uh again going back to like your background like philosophically the the idea you know the idea that there's like a cartesian difference between the mind and the body dualism the yeah the idea that there is uh, there is a sort of like you know all these binaries existing in life and um that you know that we can't hold in our heads that somebody uh was like uh uh, born and assigned a particular gender at birth and now identifies differently. The idea that we can't hold those two things at the same time. The idea that you can't hold sort of like that somebody is a conservative politician and also might sort of be an all right person. Mm. Like, it might be sort of like, I, I, I try and like sort of hold all these things all at once. And again, that's where poems, poems, you can hold that. You can hold the... Um, the complexity you can hold the nuance and you don't need to give somebody an easy sort of like and there's the answer and that's that yeah. and so and we've solved toxic masculinity yeah you're like, welcome I, yeah I, I think I'm uh, people when, when you talk about this stuff and you write about this stuff people want, want answers yeah and you're like I don't have them mm. but we're going to do an event later and people are going to do a they're going to ask you and they're going to ask, ask questions so um, how do I solve like my mental health you're going to be like well but that's the beauty of it, isn't it? That it is so open for all these different discussions. Yeah. And it's so specific. Yeah. But it's also long term. Yeah. Right? Like none of this is going to be solved within a podcast or within an event or within a poem. No. Right. It's going to be solved by the cumulative energy of all of those things of people like you making stuff like this or people like me making stuff like a book. And um, uh, the, the hope that that has. And that's the other thing, like being hopeful and being like, well, this stuff has made differences. It has. And, and when you think about the whole insignificance that you're your centre of your own universe, mm. I don't think you probably realise or know how many people you have affected and changed and helped. And even with today, say like 30 people listen to it, that's 30 more people that might feel that they can relate to something mm. that they never even thought about, you know, this this is this is the way, I don't know, this is life. And yeah. Yeah. I can relate to them and, oh, I've actually got this one tip, which is like... I don't know, really helpful, or I I do care about my beard, and why do I care yeah, about yeah. it? Yeah. But also, you don't have to agree. Oh, right? yeah, exactly. Like, the beauty you of don't life. have to agree with me. You don't have to agree with me that um, uh, you know, saying that there's sort of like going for a run might and doing hot yoga might solve all of your issues. That's like no one has to agree with me. If you agree with a bit of it and you want to have like a, a conversation about it, then we can do that. Mm, like yeah. that's um, as Emily has learned. I'm I'm quite available on social media <laughs> get yeah. thinking more again about these you know the book and the specific poems that are in mm. there then another i mean i said this before say so again we loved all of them but we wanted to pick out a couple to talk about um another one of the poems in the book is tense mm-hmm. um which i don't want to say tense, it's not oh yeah <laughs> I, I should clarify it's called tense yeah. um and i don't want to say that oh i don't know anything about poetry 
but I sort of feel like I don't. So I, okay. when I'm reading that poem, I, I feel like I know what it says to me. Um, but I guess, can you tell us, can you tell our listeners, what does tense mean for you? Um, and there was a particular line in it as well. Emily, will you read the particular line for us? I mean, I love this, but I'm probably... Do you want to read it um, in your lovely poetic voice, which is the I'm worried that line? I worry about the world pressing down on his body. And we wondered if you could tell us, um, yeah, what, what does that line mean for you? Because to me, I suppose, that line is this... This may be totally wrong, I'm going to say it anyway. You know, the the person in this poem feels like someone that you love deeply and someone you care about deeply. Mm. And it's almost like you want to reach out and make that connection with them and maybe let them know that everything's okay. But that person, for whatever reason, maybe it's because of the way that society has molded them. They almost can't let you in to do that. And then Mm. it's like this worry as the person that loves them that the world, whether that is gender stereotypes Mm. or toxic masculinity or whatever it might be, is pushing down on them and you can't stop that? Mm. I don't know. That's how I see it. No, but how I think is that's, that a, that's a beautiful reading of it. And um, I think for anybody else, that that's sort of enough, right? Like, I think that because of the biography that I might bring to it and, uh, like, I, I read it slightly differently in that um, it's, it's not necessarily that... Um, that person is worried or can't express themselves. It's more about like what the world does to that person. I mean, I suppose like in particular, this is about my brother. Um, my brother's a gay man who lives in London, and I think part of it, it, it I was trying to articulate the particular relationships between straight and gay men. Um, something that I've I think thought about quite a lot. I have a lot of friends who are gay and uh, or queer in in some way and I'm I've I've become more and more conscious of the way that I hold myself in in spaces with them them talking to me about other straight sometimes in quotation marks men who take liberties with their bodies Mm -hmm. you know who touch them too much who um have the right to their bodies, which they don't, but mm. they feel like they do have this access. As a, as a way of sort of dominating, I think, and asserting their straightness um, yes. as, as in some way superior to uh, gayness or queerness or whatever word that individual would like to use. Um, and I think in in my brother, it just sort of, it was, it was epitomised. And I think I was also just thinking about the fact that, like, my brother sort of looks... Um, he looks a lot like a sort of stretched wham bar. Like, he's very long and thin. He used to love a wham bar. Yeah. I was all, going back yeah. to the noughties, that. And, um, and so I, I think I've just always thought of him as quite delicate um, mm. and been oddly protective of him. Yeah. I suppose in just that older brother way. But then sort of investigating that as like a straight guy and being like, is that me like bringing some sort of like homophobia into this? Is this me being... Just to sort of like, am I like, you know, do I have to look after him in the way that like uh, older brothers look after younger sisters, right? Mm. And, am and would I, you treat him the same way if he was if he straight? Was, yeah, exactly, yeah. right? Um, and so there's lots of different sort of things going in there. And so I think that that is being, I'm trying to epitomize that, epitomize mm. that with I worry about the way, the way 
of the world pressing down on his body. Yeah. Um, and and it, again, it's as the as the title suggests, like it's about trying to investigate that tension um, uh, between uh, the, the, the this. Uh, so the uh, there's an artist called Harry Dodge. Um, Great name. Harry Dodge, yeah, mm, good name. Solid. And um, he he talks about like uh, wanting to investigate. He he makes these really uh, broadly quite disgusting pieces of art that are like sort of things melted together or sewn together or pushed together, and um, and I think he called them love objects. I think was the the name of the the exhibition. And um, he was talking about like wanting to investigate that space between people mm. um, as as a kind of meat, a kind of like almost this sort of um, uh, phenomenological yeah. uh, approach of like, you know, how our bodies exist in the world. And uh, I liked the idea of the word tense uh, actually shares the same root word in this poem uh, with tennis, as in something, a, 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 um, a net being stretched taut, yeah. uh, but also tendon. So like uh, that which holds our muscle to bone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I liked the idea of like, if there are some people who are muscles and some people who are bones, the space between them is the tendon, is a, is a kind of knee. And so I wanted to sort of like try and get all of that into... Yeah, it snaps, right? But then also being sort of like, well, why, why do we think that way about... Uh, like why, why does there, there have to be this sort of imaginary ever stretching piece of meat between me and my brother or me and my dad or me and my mm. friends um, in, in a way that I, I certainly don't actually feel with women no and there was I remember there being an uproar with someone some celeb sharing their pictures with them and their son and their son was sat on their lap they took a photo of them kissing their son and there was uproar because it mm. was a father. a father and a son Right. And um, and people were obviously lending to sort of you know, insert homophobic mm. like quote here insert you know this sort of stuff and it was so interesting to be like if a, a mother and daughter a mother and son posted this photo the they be this is such a loving photo whereas this photo became this you know the way you guys have to express love towards each other even has to be this barrier and this mm. tension you have to have this love but it can't be too got, much yeah it, oftentimes again within a sort of like stereotypical idea of masculinity um it's got to be within a metaphorical framework right yeah. it's got to be we're talking about football but really we're talking about love <laughs> oh we're my talking god about yes this but we're really you know we're talking about this um and um and, and that sort of like leads me slightly towards like a, a phrase you've used a couple of times of uh, toxic masculinity, which um, I understand as a, a sort of functional word now um, and was very popular in um, the sort of like uh, academic uh, men's, men's, not men's rights movement, but men's sort of feminism in the late 70s, early 80s. Um, and I think that if I have an issue with that term, it's that it implies that there's such a thing as uh, positive masculinity. Uh. When everyone, anyone talks about positive masculinity, I'm like, I think you're talking about humanity. I think you're talking about kindness. Yeah. Like, why you feel the need for that to be sort of like sectioned off as a particular trait of men? Um, I'm not. I'm not hugely on board. Do you know what? With. It's funny that you bring this up because my next question to you, Lewis, yeah. was. Um, 
for the listeners, I have a definition of toxic masculinity. Yeah, okay. And the question to you. Well, let me read the definition because yeah. we may have some listeners that do not know what this word means. Yeah. Um, so if you're sat at home and you're thinking, okay, what is that? Well, toxic masculinity is an attitude or set of social guidelines stereotypically associated with manliness that often have a negative impact on men, women and society in general. The term toxic masculinity isn't meant to imply that the idea of masculinity is in itself inherently bad. Now, my question to you, Lewis, our question to you was, one, do you like the term? So we've already sort of heard this complications yeah, yeah. there. Um, how useful is it in the current sphere talking about men's mental health? Um, I find it useful, you know, when I'm talking to like my 60-year-old dad mm. um, who doesn't hug his father, who mm -hmm. is 86 and hasn't, and I literally say to him, Dad, give him a hug. Mm -hmm. And he's like, no, it's okay, we'll handshake, you know. For conversations with him, I find it a really useful term because I can sort of, I find it easy to articulate what that might mean and things mm -hmm. like that. But how useful is it, I suppose? And you've already maybe flagged that it's becoming less useful. I don't know. What do you think about the term? I think one of the things to acknowledge is, is, that, it, is that it's not new. Like, this is a term that's been going around for the last 34 years. Yeah. Like, it It, it feels very new, though, doesn't it? I, I think don't know just because those you. things get, they get, revitalized by whoever you know whatever sort of um writer or political thinker has, has sort of uh taken hold of it yeah i i think it's quite it, it's become quite a provocative term as well right that like the minute you say it you get a sort of joe rogan fan getting on your back saying like well it's all right if i want to go to the gym I'm like yeah it's fine if you want to that's go to the fine gym. yeah i go to the gym that's all right yeah. Not again it's sort of that thing you about like I'm not, I'm not yucking anyone's yum like genuinely if your father and his father feel like a handshake is the way that they want to express their love for one another then I am not here I don't know their relationship I am not here to tell anyone not to express themselves in a particular way right but um, a potentially a, a slightly more useful term is uh, R.W. Cornell um, who is a trans person who again was writing in the late 70s early 80s and continues to be writing today she's Australian I think um, and she uh, her like sort of book was called Masculinities and that I find slightly more useful right the idea that we're not talking about a one dimensional masculinity mm -hmm. or toxic masculinity we're talking about many different things, right? We're never talking about one boy. We're talking I was going to say, right? so it's the masculinities in their it's, various poses. Exactly, right? Yeah. And, and I think and that... And that doesn't just lend to boys just to let... Like, no, just exactly. To, boy, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a term yeah, that could be... Boys, men, whoever. Non-binary, yeah. even females, if you would like to lend yourself, right? Is that... Yeah, I think... It, but it, it's, it's also, like, really... The other thing that's really important to remember about all of this shit is that it's fucking made up. <laughs> like, masculinity is made up as Disney, right? We, we've constructed that. Oh, yeah. And one of the things that really uh, fucks me off is the idea that um, any of this stuff is biological or evolutionary, yeah. right? Yeah. Any of this sort of like, oh, um, uh, men have a high sex drive because uh, we wanted to create as many uh, other humans like us. And like, even if that were true... Spread the seed. Yeah, even <laughs> if that were true, great album title. Um, <laughs> even if that were true, like, we 
we have developed in so many different ways. We've created concepts of money. That's not a fucking... Yeah, like, that's a made-up thing. That's a made-up thing. It's kind of a made-up thing. It is. So why do you want to like hold so tightly to these things? These concepts that aren't even yeah. tangible. It's because it, 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 lots of them provide narratives and ways of people understanding the world. Mm. Um, again, it's a space where poetry perhaps pushes against... Uh, the ideas that other people, that, that other art forms have, right? Because poems don't necessarily revolve around narrative. Poems aren't necessarily telling stories. They are capturing moments, right? Sometimes several of them form a sort of triptych or a sequence that tells a, a broader story. But they are, the, the form is particularly useful in capturing moments. Sevenling is a form of poetry yeah. that is seven lines long and has um, a certain amount of lists in it and all these sorts of things and it um, and, and that doesn't lend itself to storytelling that doesn't lend itself to like in the, in the way that like a Shakespearean five act play does yeah right um, what it lends itself to is is capturing a moment or a feeling yeah and uh, that that again comes back to how we talk about something like masculinity is that it's perhaps less interesting again to me to talk about or make any sort of generalizations about masculinity or even toxic masculinity right. um uh, much more interesting is to is to do what uh, judith butler uh requests at the beginning of gender trouble which is uh, she says like what are the uh, politically political possibilities of radically questioning our existing categories of gender mm. right so what happens when we question why your dad just handshakes his dad rather than hugging him um and the answer can be they just really like each other and their hands are a way of expressing that to one another it can also be that they feel prohibited from doing the thing that they really love and they really want to do um and and i'm i'm not here to to tell anyone one way or another of doing it and um, I, I do understand how toxic masculinity can be a useful phrase for people, and it's definitely a phrase I've used in the past. Um, I think I am now at a point when um, it feels, it, again, it just doesn't feel specific enough. Mm. Um, it doesn't feel... Um, too loose. Like, too loose. Yeah. <laughs> Let's not go back into it. It gestures, also, it, it, it gestures at something that, uh, is yeah is is made up mm. and and it implies um, a positive masculinity. It's a bit you know it's a bit sort of like saying well there's there's toxic whiteness and I'm like I don't think that's positive whiteness. Yeah. <laughs> like it's not really yeah. work doesn't really work like that. I would never describe myself as like well I'm a very positive white person. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm one of the good ones. So yeah. as it comes to masculinity, then do you is that an identity that you would except like i don't know how would you describe yourself just don't think about it no like it's just not and it's, i the, the reason i cannot think about it probably is because um in in that way that you know uh sort of gender ideologues um would say like well you can just bloody define as anything now i can i can define as a cardigan if i want to um yeah. you're like well okay um I, what what you really mean there is that you have the privilege of not having to even question this, yes. right? Um, you have the privilege of never having to think, like, am I straight or am I a lesbian, right? Yeah. Um, am I cisgendered or am I trans? Um, so I think a, a lot of my sort of nonchalance towards 
you know, whether or not I describe myself as a man or a boy or a he or a whatever, is because it's just never bothered me. Mm. Like the the way society is is built, despite all the things that I've said, the way society is built and the way that we have imagined it uh, suits me very well most of the time, right? Yeah. Um, Sorry. There, no, <laughs> no, yeah, 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 yeah. Right. There, there are there are things that um, that I, I, I again coming back to mental illness. That I, I the thing that I struggle more with is word there, definitions there, diagnoses there, and being like, I need to find the right word for myself because I don't have one yet. Um, so don't ask me. <laughs> but like yeah. um, that. I'll so, out the next so, question. So in that, in that way, <laughs> masculinity. Is, is not something that I, um, uh, again, coming back to Butler, it's not something that we are, it's something that we perform, right? Mm. It's something that we show the world when we choose to, um, and that can be a positive thing or a negative thing, or just a thing that is neither positive nor negative, just what like, just is pro- what was just processed in positive or negative ways, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. That's, That's so, so interesting. interesting. Yeah, thank you. And I think just really focusing on that, questioning things and that's what we love to do isn't it and I you know think critically and that's Mm. what I would urge anyone to do like challenge those thoughts that you have and challenge why we do things and why we say things just ask questions yeah and again this is the thing about like your discipline like so like my partner has a PhD and is is a writer um and I think that without sort of getting into a sort of relationship savior narrative I think that the way in which she thinks is, is again something that has just helped me immensely because I think in lots of ways she thinks like a sort of therapeutic counsellor she's not but like mm. she, she thinks in terms of okay well, well why like yeah. let, let's push that further let's explore let, that let's, and like rather than just being like why are you worried being like so why are you yeah. worried do you know what it's that Socratic method it always comes down to the Socratic method and if you feel like you're asking why too many times it's probably about right yeah. <laughs> you know if you keep pushing it yeah but why though Yes, but why though? This is what I do with my students. (laughs) Well, he was actually sentenced to death for this, Socrates. Oh. Yeah, so in ancient Greece, he um, was basically put on trial for corrupting the minds Mm. of the youth of Athens because he used to go around and be like, yes, but why though? But why do you think that though? And it's called Socratic method of questioning. And um, he was sentenced to death. And, and he, he died. He drank the poison and he died for it. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's so childish as well, right? It's a stigma of it being a negative thing to mm. like push and challenge, but it can be in a really like respectful way. It doesn't have to be in an aggressive but Yeah, wider, obviously read the room. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's why, it's also how, right? Yeah, like when, yeah. when people, I, I think a lot with a lot of different debates at the moment, when people like, I'm always sort of like when people are saying like, um, you know the awful shit in America. The um, you know uh, overturning Roe versus Wade and mm. and stuff like that. I'm sort of like, how do you want to control this? Like, how do you think that uh, banning women's ac- access to their own bodies, free, safe abortions? How do you think that is gonna work? Because mm. um, like, you're not a, stopping abortions, you're just yeah, stopping safe but abortions. Even, even if you were stopping abortions, like what is the like what is the long term goal there? You're going to have a bunch of children who are either brought up in spaces that aren't ready for them, mm. or you're going to have a bunch of children in a care system that you don't want to pay for. Mm. So like yeah. like what, again I'm, and I'm, again I do that in, in a fairly non aggressive way, but I'm like actually I I, I do sort of want to know. Let's in think the, about in, this. Yeah, in the same way, you know, you've got with 
gay marriage or, or anything else. You're like, well, what, like, how and why? And what's really interesting about our dialogue at the moment is that people, the worst thing that you can call somebody is a racist or a, a homophobe or mm. a transphobe, right? That That's when people get really upset because they're like, oh my God, you called oh, me a no, bigot. I'm a misogynist. And you're like, okay, cool, so you're not. Like, what are you, but what are your feelings about this? Yeah, and why do you, yeah. And, and, it's, and, and the people that I really respect in, in sort of like uh, political writing and thinking are the people who aren't necessarily coming in with like here's the answer to this mm. they're people who are going like i have some questions let's try and figure so this like, out together again yeah. come yeah. back to like someone like rebecca solnit who is uh again some of my partner wrote her phd on on rebecca solnit and so like i um de facto know a little bit about it yeah um but in the, in the house the other day she said oh somebody's asking me for a recommendation of a book like I was trying to think what, what book to give them. And I was like, oh, what, what about like a Solnit book? And and she said, oh, as the resident expert on Rebecca Solnit, would you like to pop in here, Lewis? <laughs> this is the thing when you're when you're with a PhD student, yeah, you got to be. You, you just you have got, to be yeah. on board. You just got to know your lane, man. Yeah. I, think that's, I want that's to say cool. your partner, fiance, sounds like an absolute rock in your life, and she sounds uh, like a legend. She sounds like a bloody legend. I wish we had her here. Instead. <laughs> joking, joking. She's very <laughs> interesting. She's not um, hugely into chit-chatting with other human beings so well, um, I mean what? definitely get her in yeah. there that'd be nice yeah. and awkward yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I would like sort of to wrap things up just mm. because we could I feel like I could all talk day. all day <laughs> that would be nice but, but we do have stuff to do mm. um, and I don't know whether you have a favourite poem um, that springs to mind that you'd feel happy to sort of read it for us well why don't we just do this poem because um, it's uh, there are a lot of very sad poems in the book there are a lot of that are about anxiety or about fear about sadness um, and I think this is just a poem about connection uh, and it is almost the final poem in the book and it's called Hughes sounds wonderful the pub's red and yellow glow keeps us still our beer sitting cheap and quiet at our elbows even the pool table's green stubble outgrows our beards but in this light we're beautiful our bodies look for angles negotiating shots. I break the triangle's neat silence and we hear the click of colours against one another. We learn when to be powerful, when to be soft. I want to win, but not for this to end. Not now. When I'm passing the last cue on the shelf for boy I'm so close with, I could be playing myself. I hear the click of white on red, the hum of yellow rolling to the edge, the scrape of cue and blue chalk. I want to notice the space that is left. I want to fill it with our talk. Thank you so much, Lewis. That oh, was lovely. That's lovely. So wonderful. And thank you for your time today. It has been an absolute delight. Yeah, I hope you've enjoyed it. It's been wonderful. Thank you very much, Molly. Thank you, Emily. You have been a delight. <laughs>